What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Billionaires, the politicians, and us. We are all obsessed with a new proposed wealth tax, but pollster Frank Luntz has the scoop on the rest of America. When you ask people what matters most, it's not raising taxes on the wealthy. It's stopping inflation. It's stopping American dependence on oil and energy. And too scared to tell the truth, U.S. intelligence says Russian officials have avoided giving Putin bad news about the invasion of Ukraine and the extent of the damage to Russia's economy. Can you imagine being the guy that they say, you know, you got to go tell them? Can you imagine being the guy that has to go give Vladimir Putin bad news? Plus, Walgreens could remove cigarettes from store shelves. CNBC's Bertha Coombs brings us comments from the drugstore's CEO, Roz Brewer. It is one of those things that there some shareholders have been asking absolutely for a while. I hear them loud and clear. All that ahead and greatest hits? Y2K versus the classics. We don't know any of these songs. Stacy's mom. It is Thursday, March 31st, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one, cue, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan. Andrew's off today. He's a little under the weather, but we hope he's feeling better. It is the last trading day of the quarter. And uh, if you were wondering where we are quarter to date, let's tell you. Right now, you're going to see that the Dow for the quarter down by about 3%. The S&P down by 3.4%. And the NASDAQ for this quarter down by 7.7%. This is the worst quarter we've seen since the beginning of the pandemic. So it, it does make you pay a little attention to what's been happening with stocks. But again, over the last few weeks, we have seen some more positive action. you got to be impressed somewhat with the, the, uh, the stand that equities took uh, near the lows, given the, the news backdrop, uh, Fed raising rates, inflation where it is, the uh, situation in Ukraine, which every time we think that things might be a little better, it, it never really seems like it is. Do you remember how many times you said, yeah, there's 250,000 troops there, but we're not going to invade? And we go, okay, he's not going to. Nothing that, that you hear can you take any stock in, I don't think. No, and that's the questions that are being raised today. Well, I know. And I'm going to re- read the story now, and then we can talk a little bit, because at this point, I wish we all didn't have to try to get into this guy's head, because we are, and, and anything is possible. He could have known right from the start that he only wanted the energy producing, or maybe he decided after it wasn't going well, okay, I'm gonna settle for just the, or just the bridge between Crimea and the, and we're all armchair, you know, Russia expert, and everybody's got an opinion, and who knows what it, you know, I don't know if, if we should even Try indulge. Yeah, I don't know if, but here's what's going on now to the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So this is newly, declassified U.S. intelligence, and it indicates that uh, Putin feels he was misled, perhaps by military leaders who didn't tell him key details about the botched invasion of Ukraine because, really, they feared angering him. Nobody likes to get, you know, poisoned and lose, like, their skin. 
Um, White House Communications Director Kate Bedingfield told reporters that uh, the U.S. believes Putin is being misinformed by his advisors. We have information that Putin felt misled by the Russian military, which has resulted in persistent tension between Putin and his military leadership. We believe that Putin is being misinformed by his advisors about how badly the Russian military is performing and how the Russian economy is being crippled by sanctions because his senior advisors are too afraid to tell him the truth. So it is increasingly clear uh, that Putin's war has been a strategic blunder that has left Russia weaker over the long term and increasingly isolated on the world stage. In the meantime, uh, Russia's claim that it would limit military operations near Kyiv as a constructive step towards negotiation appear to be false. More propaganda. Russian forces hit targets around the capital yesterday, and a Kremlin uh, spokesman walked back claims of progress in the ceasefire talks that uh, we've helped the markets the last couple of days uh, that a Russian negotiator said was happening less than, than 24 hours uh, earlier. The West seems to be balking at the idea of a NATO light or, or some type of security guarantees uh, for Ukraine. I, I, the reason I had, I was in my mind, I was thinking about, can you imagine being the guy that they say, you know, you got to go tell them what's going on. Can you imagine being the guy that has to go give Vladimir Putin bad news? No. I mean, Would you do it? No, he surrounds himself with, with yes, right. and, and, yes and, and men. I, I mean, you, did, 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 it was about a month ago, and I think one of his senior military gentlemen like barely questioned something he said or his right. rationale, and, and you could just see the guy, and Putin was like over there, so, what did you say? And you know, So what do you say? And he grilled him in front, and then the guy quickly backtracked. I mean, of course people aren't going to tell him that, that things are going badly. Would you? No, I mean, that you, you have people who don't want to tell their bosses bad news. For yeah, far, when your far boss lesser, is Vladimir Putin. Right, for far lesser infractions than what you're going to wind up having happen to you with that. Two things on this. First of all, um, Richard Engel. I, I, I don't know if you saw NBC's Richard Engel yesterday. Right. He was behind the lines with some Ukrainian forces, and it looked like they were really making some advances. They had pushed the Russians out and taken over a camp where there were something like 120 Russian military um, um, people had fled. Um, and he said, now you can hear, during his report, during the live report, you could hear outgoing shells coming from the Ukrainian side on things. So the Ukrainians are not stopping and saying what's there. They are pushing back very heavily, probably to make sure that they have a better hand in these negotiations right. and to continue to push them back. Right. Um, and the Russian troops aren't Putin. The Russian troops are, are young men that were told one thing. They all have mothers. That, you know, I don't know what the rations are like they, in terms of food and in terms of you know, equipment and everything else that they need. And they could have really poor morale. They're not, you know, it, and apparently, I mean, we hear that and then we hear, well, maybe not, maybe they, they're doing this for a reason, uh, almost the, sort of the rope-a-dope strategy. I don't know. Well, the, the second thing I would point out is the U.S. intelligence on this has been incredibly good. Um, from the very beginning when they were talking about an invasion was coming, an invasion was imminent, um, that, that, that foiled Russia's chances, Putin's chances of being able to come in uh, unsuspected and gave Ukrainians time to plan. And the U.S. intelligence has been really good at, at kind of getting out and in front of this right. and, and, and basically saying, don't believe what you're hearing. So we're engaging in the same stuff that every article I read, the latest one said, was he really surprised by everything? And then it goes over everything that didn't go well. And then it goes, or was this always in the back of his mind, what he was going to do to finally end up with just the eastern side and the corridor between Crimea and get all the energy rich area? I think he's being opportunistic. But, he looks at the best hand he can get at any point. But... Maybe. But, 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 you know, we're CNBC. 
Should we just not do this at all and just, just, just do it? Maybe, except for there's so much riding on it. Because the Fed affects the Fed. It affects inflation. Tell me it's not affecting supply chain and inflation. It affects and, the entire globe at this point. And sentiment. It does. The Biden administration is expected to lift a pandemic-related restriction on immigration that has been in place for the last two years. That change is set to take effect in late May. It would restore the rights of migrants to request asylum once they are in the United States, just as they did before the pandemic. The change could more than double what is already a record number of migrants surging to the United States from Mexico. Border officials have been using the pandemic restriction to quickly expel undocumented migrants. And this touches on a lot of things, too. Steve Leisman had pointed out if you need more bodies for jobs. Well, he's talking well, about legal immigration. Yeah, he's not talking about this. Well, if you get asylum. I don't think he's talking well, about that. Well, if you that. get asylum once you're here, that well, that's still not path. really legal. Well, and then people who do go through the legal. We don't have room for two million people to take care of when they get in. No. The facilities down there, you no, don't you've have. You've seen it overwhelmed. They're overwhelmed. And the people who are asking them to do things that they're. They don't have the facilities, the funding, the, they don't have any of what they need. It's, it's going to be it's a crisis now, and it could be double the crisis. I don't understand the... Uh, I don't understand. The lifting of the restrictions? No. Yeah. I don't understand the rationale. Dow component Walgreens just reporting, so let's get over to Bertha Coombs. She's got the numbers on that. Hi, Bertha. Hi, Becky. Walgreens beating on both the top and the bottom line with adjusted earnings of $1.59 per share compared to $1.40 consensus estimate on revenues of $33.8 billion versus expectations of $33.4 billion. COVID again helping drive pharmacy, which saw comparable sales up 7.3 percent. Walgreens administered nearly 12 million vaccines in the quarter and more than six and a half million tests. Prescriptions were up 4.7 percent year over year. On a net basis, operating income actually fell from a year ago due to increased investments in things like micro-fulfillment centers to automate prescriptions on the back end and expansion of Village MD clinics in Wall Street, Walgreens stores, which is a cornerstone of the new Walgreens Health Division. On the retail side, U.S. sales rose 14.7 percent. U.K. sales were up 22 percent, though in the release, Ross Brewers says they are continuing the, quote, strategic review of boots, i.e. they're still looking to sell, it looks like. On both sides of the pond, Brewer told me supply chain is improving, but inflation remains a big challenge. Supply chain is improving. I'm seeing an improvement as we were just placing some of our seasonal merchandise that comes from overseas for both um, Valentine's and Easter. So we're seeing some improvement there. But what I would love to see um, a, a little bit more work on is, you know, what we're doing with inflation. We're unfortunately having to pass some of that on to the customer, but we're also looking at ways to reduce our cost and pass that on to really offset what we're seeing in inflation. Even with those headwinds, operating margin topped estimates at 5.2 percent. You know, watching some of these things, as Brewer is putting greater emphasis on Walgreens health, just as the company is kind of turning through some of these things, are they considering the idea of stopping selling tobacco? We just heard that from Walmart. CVS did that when they started focusing on health, too. Exactly. CVS did it back in 2014. And I, that's exactly what I asked as they are really focusing on health. I asked Brewer that during our Healthy Returns conference. Here's what she said. Can Walgreens Health continue to sell cigarettes? 
You know, that is one of those things that I am personally looking at. Um, I think it is something that you'll hear us talk about and um, make some announcements about in, in short order. It is one of those things that there some shareholders have been asking absolutely for a while. I hear them Perfect. loud and clear. You know, the interesting thing in New York City, since 2019, they haven't been allowed to sell cigarettes in, in their stores. And they report numbers X tobacco. And those are usually about a point higher than the overall sales. So it sounds to me, Becky, like they're leaning on stopping. It does. It sounds like she gave sales. you a pretty clear signal of, of which direction they're headed, which brings you to the next question for the tobacco makers. If you can't be sold in a Walgreens, in a CVS or in a Walmart, um, you're running out of some pretty important sales points for, for reaching your customers, too. Yeah. Leave that shelf space open for the wacky tobacco. Well, they're, they're shrinking the shelf space because they're <laughs> leaving more space for Village MD for the primary care. Funny cigarettes, Bertha. Maybe funny cigarettes are coming. <laughs> it is interesting. <laughs> Apple slide yesterday, snapping the longest winning streak since the year 2003. We, in the old days, we would have played songs that were number one from 2003. But I mean, Now we just have to sing them to you. Now we have Let's to sing them, them because I think we're cheap. Uh, but the company is still within striking distance of a $3 trillion uh, market cap. I don't know if we found a song from 2003. I don't We, we don't, don't know any of these songs. Stacy's Mom. Oh, wait. The Stacy's Mom is there. The first cut is The Deepest by Sheryl Crow. Okay, I don't know. Coming up, it's been the week of the billionaire tax, the Biden budget proposal to tax America's super rich at 20%. Pollster Frank Lunds joins us on what Americans really care about. Who's going to value this? Who's going to determine that your painting or your coin collection or your baseball cards are worth X, Y, or Z? Your NFTs. This is NFTs. This is a very concerning tax to people. Squawk Pod will be right back. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Up track, stand Becky by. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan. Andrew is off today. Billionaire Leon Cooperman calling President Biden's proposed tax on billionaires, his words, stupid and probably illegal. Now Senator Elizabeth Warren uh, responding in a tweet yesterday, writing in her words, Leon, before the tears start streaming down your face again, uh, let's remember billionaires often pay less taxes than teachers nurses and firefighters, uh, a billionaire's income tax would start to level the playing field so everyone gets a fighting chance. Joining us now to discuss the billionaire tax and how Americans uh, feel about the proposal is pollster and political strategist Frank Lunds. Uh, Lee, Lee Cooperman has signed the giving pledge, so he's giving everything away. 
do you think that when a, a bureaucrat, um, and I think about some of her comments about, about Elon Musk, who paid $11 billion in taxes last year. I don't know how many, I don't know how long you'd have to tally up every um, politician's yearly tax bill before they get to $11 billion. But does this play in Peoria? People that resentful of, of billionaires so that something like that still plays? Frank, what did your polls say? It's an issue of what people prioritize. And they prioritize cutting waste for Washington spending. They prioritize lowering inflation. They prioritize ending American dependence. And I'm not ducking the question. I'm reframing it because the public is very clear about this. The tax policy is less important to people today than it has been in any time since I've been doing polling. And in fact, they see and they seek different answers than simply raising taxes. Now, make no mistake, billionaires are not as respected now as they were 10 years ago. They're not as appreciated now, or I should say the wealthy. I don't want to use your language. I want to use the language of the American public. But that being said, they, if, they, if taxes have to go up, it should go up on business. But that is not the issue to the public. How do you lower my day-to-day -day costs? And raising taxes, even if it's just on the wealthy, the average American thinks eventually it will filter down to them. Let me ask you, Frank, whether this, whether the mood in the country has evolved, whether your thinking has evolved, because um, I, I remember a lot of things. Sometimes I, I wish I didn't remember as much as I do remember. But during the debates when Senator Warren was really bashing capitalism and, and income inequality, all the things. We talked, and you said this is going to play, play really well with the American public, and that she has a chance. And my take was that that was that you were completely wrong. That that Americans still love the notion of being able to make it big uh, in this country. And and it, it, the old uh, Bono quote, I, you know, with someone in in his country up on a big hill, a, a mansion, he says, "I want to get that guy." In this country, it's I want to be that guy. Is that, and, and that's why I thought you were, I, I didn't agree with you. So now you're, you're, does it still play? Does that still play, what, what, you know, that zeitgeist that we talked about last time? It does still play, but there are things that play even more. Okay. Remember, we're not the same country that we were before COVID. No. We're not the same country we were before January 6th. We're not the same. We've changed so much in the last 24 months. In some ways it's positive, in some ways it's not. But when it comes to taxes, it is still a lower priority uh, for people than it is to affect their day-to-day -day lives, which is what inflation is doing. And the fact that inflation is affecting food and fuel more than anything else, things that people consume, that's significant. Now look but at this. Frank, you see, Frank, we got right. the we got the we got the adults back in charge. The the bad orange man's gone, and and now he's at thirty percent. The the new guy. Hasn't that changed, too? Even 62% of Democrats think that taxes, generically, taxes are too high. 78% of Republicans. These are significant numbers. But if you simply ask the question, should we raise taxes on the wealthy, the public does say yes. What's interesting is they're opposed to the death tax because they think it's inherently unfair. They're opposed to confiscation of taxes. They believe that the this will be helpful to your audience. The average person believes that if you, and, and even right there uh, among Democrats, uh, when you say taxing the wealthy, Democrats say we're not taxing them enough. 
when you ask people what is the proper tax rate for any individual, it comes somewhere between 25 and 33 percent, between one fourth and one third of their income. When they find out that people in most states are paying 50 percent at the highest bracket, are actually paying 50 percent in federal, state and local taxes, the American people, a clear majority of the American people say that's too much. So right. the it's challenge, go ahead. Frank, just I think on that point, this is a messaging situation. I mean, we just read that, that that text or the tweet from Elizabeth Warren where she called it a billionaire's income tax. This isn't a billionaire's income tax. This is going to be taxing unrealized gains, and, and that's a wealth tax. And I, I, I think they may win on the messaging because it's complicated to kind of think through some of those things. Um, but even if you don't think all that much of billionaires, even if you don't think of some, that much of somebody who makes $100 million, which is where this really kicks in, not at a billion dollars, the idea of un taxing unrealized gains is a new step. That's a new game. That's not an income tax. And that frightens people. How much information the government has to collect, number one. And number two is who's going to value this? Who's going to determine that your painting or your coin collection or your baseball cards are worth X, Y, or Z. Your NFTs. This is, this is NFTs. This is a very concerning tax to people. And I go back to my initial comment here. When you ask people what matters most, it's not raising taxes on the wealthy. It's stopping inflation. It's stopping American dependence on oil and, and energy and, and foreign governments. It's addressing quality of life issues. The Democrats have found a temporarily positive talking point. But in the long term, if this were they're going to be talking about, I'm telling you right now, on March 31st, 2022, if this is what they go into the election, they will lose Congress because this is not the priority of the American people. The, uh, the president, you know, 4% is not what Republicans wanted for defense, but it's a pretty good bump. And that, that's, uh, that seems like he's listening or at least uh, changing some of the view. I don't know if, if the fossil fuel issue, I don't know what, whether that uh, moderates what we've seen in the Biden administration, the stance that, that they've had. But I don't even think I'm allowed to say AOC, because if, if someone says AOC, then we have a, the, 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 an entire uh, political class has a problem with her or something. But, but, but she talks a lot. And, and so I am going to say her. She says that, that the answer for Democrats is they're not nearly far left enough and that they're going to lose the election uh, in, in November if they don't go much further left. And, Frank, I, I mean, I just think that's patently ridiculous. I, I think that most Americans are looking at the current uh, center of gravity for the progressive wing of the party, and they think it's just just absolutely crazy. Right? Maybe it's, it plays on two coasts, but there's echo chambers and bubbles where, where normal people look at that and say, you're kidding, right? This is the issue you're running on? There's a simple answer to this. It's not left or right. It's not Republican, Democrat. It's not old or new. It's not progressive or conservative. Why? It is quality of life. It's day to day. It's cultural too, making, Frank. Are you making my life easier? But culture is part of that. Culture is raising your kids. Culture is functioning in your neighborhoods. Culture is feeling right. safe and secure. Okay. Quality of life is the key attribute in 2022. It's going to determine who wins Congress. Whichever party has that advantage on your day-to-day -day existence, how much things cost, how much, how much harder you have to work, how you pay your bills, whether you feel safe and secure in your home, your neighborhood, on your way to work, 
These quality of life issues are determinant, and more Americans than ever are reconsidering their votes, are reconsidering their partisanship. Everything is up for grabs. If AOC dominates the Democratic Party, they will win big in states like yours, New York, New Jersey, the Northeast, and they will get slaughtered across the rest of the country. And I know that moderate Democrats are realizing this and are scared as hell about the direction of their party. And second, it requires the Republicans not to wage an ideological battle. It requires them to raise a battle, to rage a battle of responsibility. What is the responsible approach to spending? What's the responsible approach to taxes? If the Republicans get on message about acting responsibly, they will have the advantage in the fall because the progressives are not. <laughs> I just, our producer's funny. Um, I guess I can't really say it. I said AOC twice. If I say it a third time, apparently something can happen like like Beetlejuice or something. I don't know. It could be, I, she may, it might appear or something. And I did say it a third time, didn't I? Like in the mirror, what? <laughs> something in the mirror too. Frank, any, at this point, what would you, what's your predict, and what, what month is it? Is it April yet? Tomorrow's April Fool's, Frank. Okay, so that's, what's that, four, and what is November? So we got six months, six, seven months until the election, and, and the American public is fickle. If it were held today, what would you characterize it as? A, a red advantage, a red wave, a red tsunami? What would, and, and we've had predictions of blue tsunamis last time around, which didn't happen. So may, you know, we're, we're, anything can happen between now and November, but where, would, where, where are we right now, would you say? Well, it was on your show that we talked about uh, Joe Biden winning and even the exact day and almost within an hour, the exact time of Joe and you guys were doing the interview. In 2022, if the election were held today, the Republicans would win the House and narrowly lose the Senate. And this is the big issue right now. What role will Donald Trump play in the Senate elections? Is he backing the most popular candidates? Is he backing the people who have the greatest shot of winning? And most importantly, are they focused on the issues that really matter? Or are these Republican candidates talking about an election that is now 17 months ago? If they're focused on the future, they, they are going to win the House. And they could win the Senate. But if the election were held today, no, they would not. They would, it would still be, it would be fact, it would be a 51-49 Democratic victory if the election were held the today in the Senate. And how many seats yes. in the House? I mean, people are, are 30, 40, 50 seats, no? Uh, it, it, that, it's, it's new lines, it's new uh, redistricting, but it's somewhere between a 25 and a 30 seat Republican advantage. And this makes what happens over the next six months so essential. Are you communicating what voters want to hear about? Raising taxes on the rich isn't doing that. Focusing on prices, on costs, on day-to-day -day affordability, that's how you win the majority in 2022. Okay, Frank, thanks. What's your next thing? What do you, what's the next thing you're gonna start polling people on? This is, this is pretty good stuff. This is, uh, you know, you could get a lot of uh, red meat from this, I think. Uh, it's the intersection of the environment, energy, and the economy. These are tough decisions. I'm in Hawaii right now. I don't know if I'm labeled on the screen, but trying to figure out how you develop more energy that's renewable, reliable, and dependable, 
how do you keep prices down because consumers can't afford it? Frank, we're running right now, but when you're talking about energy being so important in prices, is the Biden administration's move to release more oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, does that play into it? It does play into it. It'll drive environmentalists nuts, but it'll play for consumers who really can't afford five and six dollar gallon gas. Frank, thank you. Okay, so top songs from 1970. This is before my time, but I actually know more of these songs than I did 2003. Yeah. Bridge Over Troubled Water by Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. Uh, Traveling Band by CCR. Yeah, I know that one. Uh, Signed, Sealed, and Delivered, I'm Yours by Stevie Wonder. When you're really... Oh, yeah. That's my that... parents' song. What do you mean? My parents. That's their song from their No way. Billy, uh, he just died. Uh, raindrops keep falling on my head. That, that was that year, oh, too? Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I, Bridge Over Troubled Water. That was, no, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's but what no, I just heard that that was... Uh, what was? Um, Raindrops keep falling, keep falling on my head. On my head. Yeah, I, I know more song. of these songs than I know from from 2003, which is well, boomer. Disturbing. That's sad. And this is before I was even born. <laughs> more Squawk Pod and Squawk Songs after this. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. And we're back. 1970 was not just Led Zeppelin. It's an embarrassment of riches. Aqualung, Deja Vu, Let It Be. Um, the Long and Winding embar- Road. Stairway to Heaven. Stairway to Heaven. Much yeah. better music American Beauty than probably. 2003. Yeah, it's an embarrassment. Right. Makes me wonder about millennials in general. Do, do they have any Jocks. music at all? That is Squawk Pod and Squawk Music Criticism for today. Thank you, as always, for listening. Tomorrow, April 1st, don't fall for anything. Don't tell Andrew. Yeah, we can do something to him maybe tomorrow. It's early in the morning. If you had just told me, I would forget. You would forget. I maybe I'll, I'll count on that and do something uh, to both of you. We'll see. Make sure uh, you should tune in for that. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Roth Sorkin. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We will meet you right back here tomorrow. And we are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. 
See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.